You are listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, where it's all about responding with confidence to the legal, financial, and personal challenges created by disability, unexpected illness, or simply aging in general. Join us weekly as elder law attorneys Tim Takis, Barbara McGinnis, Chris Johnson, and other members of the Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law Team talk about the tools, techniques, strategies, and services that will make the elder care journey easier for everyone involved. Get ready, because aging starts now. Hello, my name is Chris Johnson, partner and attorney here at Tegas McGinnis Elder Care Law. Welcome to episode 35 of our Aging Starts Now podcast. We have a very special guest today, elder law attorney and Super Bowl champion, Chris Godfrey, a practicing attorney, elder law attorney uh, from South Bend, Indiana. Uh, he's a member of the Life Care Planning Law Firms Association, a uh, University of Michigan grad, which everyone knows has a special place in my heart, uh, and frankly, just an all-around very good guy. So, Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you, Chris. It's great to be with you. Well, we're very glad to have you. The uh, We wanted to do something a little different on today's podcast. So we've talked a lot of technical things uh, over the past many episodes, different areas, Medicare, Medicaid, uh, uh, every issue you could think of under the sun. But this time we wanted to talk to an attorney who practices in the life care planning field and just get an understanding of, of how you got to hear uh, what you think of it, kind of your me story. And so uh, I think you have such an interesting background that I, I, I can't help myself but ask you, you so you started out uh, at the University of Michigan and you were a football player there, correct? I was. Uh, kind of, uh, Bo offered me one of his last scholarships and I jumped at it because my folks had moved me out of state the middle of my junior year and I was homesick uh, for getting back to Michigan. And when I had the opportunity, I jumped at it. Oh, that is amazing. And for for those as uh, we're in SEC country down here and as a Big Ten transplant, Bo Schembechler offering you a scholarship is, uh, you know, the the same as getting a, a, a scholarship offer from Nick Saban. I mean, it is getting it from the king himself at that point. So <laughs> you, uh, I, you played there. What was your degree in? I, I got a degree in, in business. It was a Bachelor of General Studies uh, that allowed me great flexibility with getting around football practices and the, and the like. But I majored oh, I in business courses. That's right. The uh, and then did you get to play in any big bowl games? Yeah, we we had a lot of success when while I was there. Uh, we went to the the first three years were Rose Bowl games, uh, Big Ten championships, and uh, and then the fourth year um, they opened up the bowl uh, the bowl menu a bit, and we played in the Gator Bowl. Okay, very good. Very good. Three Rose Bowls. Wow, I could only dream. That's very cool. So after Michigan, after you graduated, you went, you went into the NFL. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, again, a, a bit of a long shot. I, I wasn't drafted, but I got a free agent contract at the Washington Redskins. Nobody gave me much of a chance to, to make the team. I was a bit undersized as a defensive lineman, but that summer I ate like a sumo wrestler, put on 20 pounds and got in the best shape of my life and went to camp. Had a good camp, but got cut um, at the end of it, um, but got picked up by the uh, New York Jets after that. Uh, then I got hurt again and got cut and uh, was picked up by Green Bay. 
spent the year with them. Uh, the next year got injured, got cut again, and the whole league went on strike. Um, and then, uh, but I signed with a new team uh, and a new league called the USFL, United States Football League, and um, my hometown, our hometown of Detroit, and uh, the Michigan Panthers signed me, and I switched positions there. And so I became an offensive lineman. We won the championship that first year. And then um, I was uh, uh, picked up as a free agent this time from by the New York Giants playing offensive line and won a starting right guard spot with the New York Giants. And a couple of years later, uh, we won the Super Bowl, Super Bowl Twenty One. So I ended up playing nine years overall, finished up with the Seattle Seahawks and an AFC West championship there. So I got a lot of stickers on my football trunk. Yeah, it sounds like it. That is really quite an incredible journey. And I love that it started out from the undrafted realm, the, the, the tenacity to, to keep going after it when, when people are against you. I mean, the, in this field, I think that translates really well because sometimes there can be, you know, it can be tough uh, getting through some of these uh, benefits programs, getting through a tin care application, getting through a successful <laughs> VA claim. You're, you're fighting against the big guys and you got to stay after it for a long time. So that's three Rose Bowl games, a USFL championship and, a, and an NFL Super Bowl. And I remember, I will tell you, I remember the Michigan Panthers very well. And if I recall correctly, wasn't, wasn't Bobby Bear the quarterback there? Yeah, Do I recall that correctly? That's right. He came in as Bobby Hebert. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, you know, got the, the hang of his name, and he got really good. And Anthony Carter was on the team there, and that was that's a great right. combination. Number one on Michigan. Yeah, I think we started off like 0-5 and 0-6 and and that year, but we started the click, and uh, we had some former Pittsburgh Steelers on the offensive line, and they helped me learn a little bit about the offensive line craft and how it was different from playing defensive line, which is what I had always played previously. And uh, it was kind of fun because uh, I remember uh, you know, when we played defense, we uh, took pride in being the tough, tougher guys, the better athletes and all the rest. And then playing with the Pittsburgh Steeler guys, I remember them all. We're all kind of down holding our stances during the count, and the defensive line guy jumped off sides, right? <laughs> so when Steeler turned to the other and said, geranium. <laughs> so I realized, oh, that's how we that's how we took pride in this offensive lineman, is that we were smarter and more disciplined than everybody else. So it was a, it was a great it was a great run, great team, lots of interesting personalities. How fun is that? Well, so now you've you've finished your NFL career and you're looking for Act Two in life. So, so talk, walk us through what happened next and and how you got to South Bend, Indiana, uh, especially as a Michigan man in, in enemy territory. <laughs> there, how how you made it there? Where did you go to law school and what brought you to this field? Yeah, that's that. It was a really uh, interesting turn of events because I knew I was going to retire after. My ninth year, our, 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 we had a baby on the way, and there's no way I was going to fly back just as the baby was being born, fly from New Jersey to Seattle for training camp. That just wasn't going to happen. And having played nine years, that was long enough. And so, but I wasn't sure what I was going to do yet. And so I was, uh, you know, deep in thought and deep in prayer. And one morning, uh, um, a friend, a priest friend, called me and he said that he knew Mother Teresa's driver and that she was going to be near our house one Sunday afternoon, and that I should go see her. 
And I told her, you know, I'm not going to go bother that poor woman. You know, I just won a Super Bowl. I know what it's like to have people, you know, all around and bothering you. And uh, sure enough, 5,000 people showed up and it's on the nightly news and all that. But he was insistent. He said, go see her. And so we, I picked up Mark Bavaro, my teammate, and uh, we drove from New Jersey over to the South Bronx, which is where all the presidential candidates used to go to give speeches about urban renewal because it was such a bombed out moonscape, if you will. So we drove over there, uh, I think it was a February, cold, dark morning, no lights are on, and uh, addresses were missing from the buildings, but I intuited that one building must have been where they were. I was going to go visit her at her convent, and so um, we went over there, knocked on the door, were invited in, led up into a room, a living room that had been converted into a chapel, And there alone in prayer was Mother Teresa. And uh, after the uh, services that morning, we we got a chance to meet her. And it was such a special morning that um, my my prayer was, Lord, show me um, what you want me to do next. And well, he did in in an indirect way, because in a conversation with uh, the the two priests that can celebrated the mass and my friend Mark Bravaro, they were all talking about law school. Right. Mark's wife was in Harvard Law School and the one priest was taking a bar exam. And then they kind of they all turned on me and said, you know, you should go to law school. And that's when the light bulb went off. And I started asking around and I had a buddy in New Jersey who had graduated from the Notre Dame Law School. And he put me in touch with a professor there and the rest is history, as they say. Unbelievable. So did you enjoy your time at Notre Dame? Am I allowed to even ask you that? (laughs) <laughs> well, I want to make it very clear to everybody listening that I got Beauchamp Beckler's permission first. <laughs> <laughs> and, that is um, priceless. And it was kind of like, it, was, it reminded me a little bit of coming home in the sense that, you know, you might remember the neighborhoods in Detroit where we grew up. They all had these big old Dutch elm trees everywhere and how beautiful it all was. Our neighborhood was like a canopy. Um, I had a canopy of these trees that we drove through, and but a disease came and wiped them all out. But they were on campus when I got there, and that combined with a, a lot of neat people that I met. Uh, and it was a nice place to raise a family, a small town after being in the New York metropolitan area. You know, we just had our fourth child, and it was a nice place. It was closer to home. Family was in the southeastern Michigan, Detroit area. And so it was really a great experience and really some wonderful professors that I was able to get to know and still know their families. And it's been a great place to raise kids, too. Well, that's good to hear. I I had a friend in law school who was a Notre Dame undergrad, and we had a a fun rivalry with things. uh, And the uh, I, I told him the more I as much as I grew up. Uh, not cheering for Notre Dame. I think that's the polite way of putting it. I told him uh, the more I got to know Notre Dame, both through the Michigan-Notre Dame rivalry and through the Navy-Notre Dame rivalry, uh, the more I grew to respect it and really appreciate the wonderful school and institution that it is. The, uh, in fact, they have a, a new Supreme Court justice, I guess, as of yesterday. Is that correct? That's right. Uh, justice Amy Coney Barrett. And uh, people often ask if I have ever met her and I haven't, but my daughter teaches her kids at school here and uh, the, lots of excitement at the school. Unfortunately, the times we live in, they had FBI agents and other high security people keeping an eye on things during all of that. 
Um, but yeah, oh, wow. sleepy, sleepy little Notre Dame has all kinds of interesting things going on in it. They really do. They really do. So now we've got you up to having a law degree. How did you end up in, in the life care planning field? What brought you to here? Well, I, I, estate planning was something that I started to get into after I got cut for the third time and needed a real job because I was engaged to get married the next year. And that was before the USFL happened. And, um, and so I started to uh, work with some buddies of mine, um, and it was a, a, a niche of life insurance with the, or I should say it's a life insurance company with a niche in estate planning. And so I started going down that road. Um, and so when I got out of law school, that's where I kind of instinctively was drawn towards. And, um, and so practice estate planning, always trying to improve what we were doing. And we do a lot of interesting things as far as uh, a complete estate planning, uh, funding and all the rest sorts of things that are often overlooked. And it was certainly overlooked in my case when I was a consumer. So I wanted to kind of improve some of those things that I experienced as a consumer, as a practitioner. And so, um, I was in, in our, our planning processes, kind of a draw off of my first career, uh, which was football, as we're talking, and it's called sideline to sideline, trying to be complete. So with that mindset, um, as my clients were getting older, I realized that um, it, their care, what, how am I going to make it during these now more prolonged periods of life? Um, that really weren't planned for in the past because it wasn't really that necessary. And so it's going longer, it's more expensive, it's getting more complicated. And I realized that had a lot of value for my clients. But um, for me personally, it was also uh, more gratifying to be able to um, help them and in, in this area. And life care planning um provided that it gave me um the incentive and the knowledge and put me in touch with um people in my own community and senior services and all the rest and developed a whole new set of relationships uh with other professionals in the, this area that weren't necessarily financial or legal people um, but offering very meaningful uh services and really connected to what we think is important, and that's relationship building, um, because that's what it's all about in this life. It's not the bottom line. And so all of that um, really reinforced things that I thought were important on a personal level, but also augmented my practice. And on a personal note, I, let me share that uh, we were able to uh, just this year, uh, because of the sorts of relationships that we developed, the expertise, my wife took the elder care coordinator and got her certificate through LW, uh, LCP uh, this year. And um, her, her older sister contracted an ALS-type disease and was oh, no. really foundering up in the uh, southeastern Michigan area. So we took her down to live with us for a month and uh, got her better services, better equipment, and, uh, and a better habit and took her out to the beach a few times. She was just a little closer out here. And uh, so we, she got back home, uh, tanned and rested and more fit than when she left and uh, put her in touch with better people and better equipment up there. So it really paid off in spades just on a personal level, uh, our, our, um, our, our association with the life care planning. That's, that's an amazing story. I, I, I think it really people 
until they see it done and, and, and that real personal story really hits home, when they see the difference that it makes in families' lives and, and we see kids come in, sometimes they bring their parents, sometimes their parents have to stay at home uh, because of the coronavirus or, or just because they're, they're elderly and it's not really safe for them to travel. But you see the concern and the fear in their eyes about not knowing how to navigate this path that we're all going to travel at some point and being able to provide those answers and kind of shine that light in the dark tunnel for them. It, it makes a huge difference and it's, it's deeply satisfying, isn't it? It really is. And, and then you combine that with the fact of knowing that, you know, they're under a tremendous amount of stress, they're fatigued and they're not in their the best shape themselves to be looking for all of this stuff so what is really good um, advice and all the rest and knowledge that we can impart is doubly appreciated because they're in a less they have less capacity to go out and do all of that stuff themselves that's right they're suffering that caregiver burnout that that even the most hard-working people will can succumb to at some point because it just it can become overwhelming the, uh, I love that your journey on this path started with a, a, a chance meeting with Mother Teresa I, because obviously her whole life was a calling and, and I certainly consider life care planning a bit of a calling, uh, the, the difference that it makes and to serve a community that I think is underserved, uh, especially in uh, as far as care needs go, makes a big difference. The uh, well, I, I think I want to leave it there. Is there anything else about uh, your life, your journey that you'd want to share? We're only halfway there. <laughs> There's a lot more, <laughs> a lot more to do, and uh, I think right. that, and I think, uh, given the times uh, that we're living in, uh, uh, our, our services are even more um, valued than they were before, and I and I really appreciate. Uh, having the opportunity uh, to give something meaningful to people is, and, and leave them with a, a sense of peace and to uh, kind of encourage them to, you know, get out of their own concerns and to help their loved ones during the, their journeys in life. So I'm um, just very thankful to have um, these sorts of things at my disposal to share with others. Well, Chris, I don't think I could have said that any better. Uh, it, it really is just a, a gift to be able to share this time with you today. Thank you for being a guest on our show. And if the first half of your life is any indication, I guess the second half should be pretty exciting as well. So we'll be following closely. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, thank you to our listeners for uh, tuning in to episode 35 of Aging Starts Now and our interview with life care planning attorney and all-around good guy, Chris Godfrey. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you at the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast. For more information about today's show, visit tn-elderlaw.com, click on the free resources tab, and then click on Aging Starts Now. You'll find the show notes there. And while you're at it, why not check out all the free resources available at tn-elderlaw.com. Document downloads, the Tagus McGinnis blog, educational videos, informative articles, helpful links, a TV show, and more. It's all there free for the taking. If you enjoy listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, please subscribe, rate the show, or leave us a review. It's easy to do on whatever app you use to listen. 
we would love your feedback on the show. Aging starts now. We'll be back next week with more candid discussions about challenges created by aging, disability, and unexpected illness.